Hey everyone, welcome to Conversations with Ben Dixon. This is a new podcast, video and audio that is literally starting today. And so thank you for tuning in. Thank you for watching and listening. Before we start our episode one, I wanna tell you about how you can follow along in this podcast journey with me. Number one, you can always go to my website, conversationswithbendixon.com. That's the first place where you can get all information about this. And it also will lead you to the places that you can subscribe. And that leads me to this. If you want to go to YouTube, just type in Ignite Global Ministries. That's my YouTube page, Ignite Global Ministries. And there's going to be a section on there called Conversations with Ben Dixon. There are other podcasts and teachings on there as well. So please do subscribe, click the bell for notifications. That way it will update you each week when these are going to be uploaded and listed. We're going to premiere these on Monday at 8 a.m., so you can always count on every week one of these episodes being uh, uploaded on a Monday, and so you can listen in or you can watch these whenever you want. Also, you can go to Apple Podcasts and any other podcasts as well. You can go to the website and you can subscribe. Please do subscribe. Please do share this with others. You can always go to my Facebook page, Benjamin Dixon. Go to my Instagram, Benjamin Dixon. Look me up. All of this is going to be uploaded there. It'll be uploaded every Monday. And so I'm looking forward to this journey. Thank you for joining me in this journey. And uh, we're going to have great conversations. Today, episode one, I'm going to talk about the power of our words, and I'll jump into that in just a moment. But we've got all kinds of conversations with special guests scheduled. We're going to talk about how to navigate politics from a biblical worldview. We're going to talk about critical race theory and really critical theory in general, because that's sort of this prevailing thought that is out there in the media, whether you know it or not. And I've got special guests talking about that. Also want to talk to you about the church and the moral failure that we've been experiencing. And it's not new to the church, but we want to navigate sort of those troubled waters that have come up a lot today with high-profile leaders. want to have these conversations, conversations with me and many special guests. So just so you know, lots of those are on deck. Continue to watch for those every Monday. But this, this, is, a special, uh, this is a special episode because it's our first but also, I want to talk to you about the power of our words, because it's really important that when we think about what a podcast is, we think about using words, and I'm assuming that not only you're listening to me, but you're open to what I have to say. I just think it's been interesting for me to think about the power of a podcast, which leads me back to the power of our words. With all of the pandemic going on and the uptick of podcasts and protests and billboards and signs and every kind of communication imaginable with social media. I've just been thinking a lot about, does my voice matter? I'm, I'm doing a new podcast. Should, should it even happen? Does my voice matter? Does our voice matter? And the answer is yes, our words do matter. Now, not everybody's words matter in the same way, but words do carry a weight. I know that there's been this sort of cultural sentiment since I was a kid where it's like, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. What a lie that is, right? Like, that's such a sham to say something like that, that names will never hurt me or words will never hurt me. It's sort of like saying words don't have power, but we know that's not true because words have great power. It's why we have all these talk shows that have all these young people on these talk shows and they've been harmed and hindered from their future because of their past and their family of origin and the words that have been sewn into their hearts and sewn into their minds to tell them who they are and who they're not. Words have power for good and they have power for evil. 
And so even as I approach this podcast, I'm working with this assumption that I want to discuss that the, the words that we share have a lot of power. Now, we know that when people's life doesn't, isn't congruent with their words, that has a power too, because it really can hurt us when we see a person live one way and speak another. That's a hypocrisy. That's a profound hypocrisy that hurts all of us. And so I just want to talk to you simply today. I'm going to give you a few scriptures and just some thoughts that I have about reclaiming the power of our words for good. I would also call this stewarding our voice. I think it's really important. Now, everybody seems to have something to say today, right? Everybody's doing a podcast. Everybody's doing a video. Everybody's doing a Facebook Live. All of that seems to be like the thing to do. But it doesn't mean that just because we're doing that, that what we have to say is, is really all that powerful. But we can have powerful words. We, re- we really can. And so I want to talk to you about how you and I reclaim the power of our words. If you have a Bible, I'm going to talk to you kind of straight out of the Proverbs for the most part and Luke chapter 6. And this isn't really a sermon, but it's just sort of some of the collection of thoughts that I've been having. Proverbs is a really powerful book. I don't know if you realize this, but there's over 150 references in the book of Proverbs that talk about our speech, that talk about our words, and really what the author of Proverbs, which mostly is King Solomon, what he's doing is he's really talking to his sons and he's telling them, you need to understand how powerful the words coming out of your mouth can be should be. When you walk in the knowledge of that, it changes the way that you live. It changes what you say. It changes how you steward your voice. There should be a sense of dignity in our lives, knowing that what comes out of us actually can be a shaping influence in the lives of other people. So in other words, our words can matter. Our voice does matter, especially if we steward it in the right way. And that really is what's important. Let me just share with you some passages that sort of come to my mind. And the first one is Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 11. Um, The writer says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. He's sort of contrasting these two two different people and what comes out of them. He says, The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Those that live a certain way, when they speak, it gives life to others, right? And so our life matters and our words matter, and the congruency is really what's important. He also says here in Proverbs 18, 21, he says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. Let me share that with you from the Message Bible. It says it a little bit differently. He says, words kill and words give life. Think about that. Words kill and words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. You choose. They're either poison or they're fruit. You choose. Well, here's what we want to choose. We want to choose to reclaim and redeem what comes out of our mouth. And it always starts with what is in our heart. I'll never forget, when I was 23 years old, I was on a road trip with my dad. This is where I learned. I think I I realize the power of words, and this is as a recipient first. I was on a road trip with my dad, 23 years old. I'd been a Christian for about four years, and we stopped at Safeway to get something to eat, and we're in the parking lot, and at the time, I was a youth pastor, and I was a young youth pastor. I was really learning what it meant to have authority. I was learning what it meant to steward my influence, and I was frustrated because My pastor was about twice my age at that time, and I continued to hear from people in our church that I was too young. I would hear that all the time, like, you're too young, and 
And what I was hearing in them saying that was, I don't have anything to say. I was hearing people say, you don't have anything to say, or what you have to say, it just isn't that important. Now, again, they weren't saying that, but indirectly, that's what I was hearing. And so as I'm talking to my dad about this, and I'm telling him how I feel, of course, that's what we're doing, right? We're telling someone how I feel. We're venting. Come on, at 23 years old, I needed to vent. And my dad's in the passenger seat, and he's listening to me. And I don't know why he chose to do this. I don't know how it came about. I just believe it was God. I really believe it was a God moment. And... My dad looks over at me, he's looking me in the face, we're sitting in the car in a Safeway parking lot, and he looks at me and he says, Ben, you're not a boy, you're a man. And I don't, I mean, it sort of sounds funny to even say it right there, I get the goosebumps, you know. It's such a silly thing, right? Like, you're not a boy, you're a man. <laughs> and so um, sometimes I'll say stuff like that to people and I'm sort of joking around. And, and when you're joking around, it, they go, ha, 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 doesn't mean anything. But when my dad looked me in the face and he said, you're a man, those words went right through me, right into my soul and planted a seed that just shook all of those feelings right out of me. I mean, I was feeling insecure, I was feeling like I didn't belong. I was feeling like I shouldn't be in ministry, like I didn't have anything to say. And one word from my earthly father, it just caused all of those things to fly right out of me. It just, it just shook me. It caused me, to, it, it caused me to be secure and confident. It released something from God in my life. That phrase, think about that phrase, you're a man, you're not a boy. That's all it took. Those words were coming from my heavenly father through my earthly father. And see, I tell you, the power of our words can be undervalued so often. When we're seeking to speak life, that's what the proverb says here. It says words kill and words give life. When we know that words give life, we're constantly processing what we're hearing. We're constantly thinking about what we're saying who we're saying it to, what they need to hear. When our heart is clean, we can be a conduit of life. Don't you want to be a conduit of life? I want to be a person that when I speak, people pay attention. Not just because I'm the most knowledgeable person in the room. I'm not trying to be the smartest person in the room. But what I want to do is I want to be somebody that has something to say, even if it's a few words, even if it's, you're not a boy, you're a man. If that's all that I say, but those words can shatter the insecurity and the fear and, and, and those feelings of, I don't belong and I've got nothing to say. If that's all I say, if that's all you say, come on, that is powerful. And as the scripture says, words can give life. And Jesus even talked about idle words. He talked about careless words. We don't want to be carriers of careless words. Come on, that, that should be a message. Carriers of careless words. I should preach that sometime, uh, right? We want to avoid that kind of a life. But I think it's important, even as I, even, as I approach this podcast, I don't want to say stuff that doesn't matter. I don't want to be an echo. I just want to give what I have. And I think that when we live life in the relationships that we have, and the stewardship of our voice anywhere that we are, whether it's our workplace or our home or in whatever relationships that we have in the church or even just simple interactions with people at the store, we realize what we possess. We have words that literally can lift a person, encourage a person, cause somebody to shift. I don't know if you've had that happen, but I've had that happen a number of times in my life as a recipient and as a giver. Having been a pastor for many years at this point in my life, over half my life I've been a pastor, 
I have had many people come back to me over the years and say, you, you know, one time you said this to me. I don't even remember saying it. Something that people say to me regularly is, do you remember when you said this? And I usually go, no, I have no idea. And so we're carrying the prophetic voice of God. We're carrying, as we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, as we're knowledgeable about God's Word, as we understand the culture and the lies that are out there today, we get to be that voice of the Lord. We get to be that voice of good. We get to be the voice of life. And that's what we're talking about today. Well, there are two things that I want to share with you um, in all of this conversation. And the first one is the process of our words. I'm just sort of thinking about how do the words that come out of our mouth develop? Like, where do they come from and why are they there? And then how do we get a hold of that? How do we reclaim it in case maybe it's not what we want it to be or we want to become more intentional? And just like the proverb said, we want to speak life. We want to give life in the things that we say. How do those things develop? Well, I, I want to read to you a passage. You probably know this if you've been reading the Bible for any length of time. But Jesus tells us, actually, in Luke chapter 6 and verse 43, look what he says here. And, and and pay attention to the metaphor that he uses. The illustration is very specific. Verse 43 says, no good tree bears bad fruit, all right? No, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. I mean, it's just very simple. Each tree is recognized by its fruit. An apple tree, you know, bears apples and good apples. And people do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes or from briars. The good man, now he changes it, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings forth evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. Now, when he's saying somebody brings forth things, what is he talking about? He now goes on to say exactly what he's talking about. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Think about what Jesus is saying. He's literally giving us an illustration of where our words come from. He's saying a good tree bears good fruit. A bad tree bears bad fruit. And the good things, and he's saying words, the good words come from a heart, a specific kind of heart, a heart that is of the Lord, a heart that is consecrated, a heart that is sensitive to the Holy Spirit. A good tree bears good fruit. If we want good words, life-giving words, it has to come from the heart of Christ. It has to come from a person that is literally allowing God's words to invade and infiltrate and influence our hearts, right? This is all throughout the scripture, but Jesus literally tells us the overflow of our heart is, is what comes out of our mouth, right? So if we want to capture that, if we want to change that, it cannot just be some type of restraint. It cannot be a behavior modification. We've got to realize it happens at the heart level. That's the flow. It's where the flow actually starts. And he uses this metaphor of a tree. A tree, this big old tree that we have in our backyard, it starts with a seed. And as a seed is planted into the soil and it's watered and it has good weather, it becomes the tree from which that seed is supposed, is supposed, to, um, is supposed to bring forth. And so these seeds are what's in our heart. What we're allowing, plant, the planting that goes into our heart, we've got to curate the content that we're allowing to influence and, and, and affect us. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2 actually speaks to this as well. Uh, he says in verse 2, Paul does to the Roman church, 
do not be transformed by the pattern of this world. Look at my shirt. My shirt has a pattern. He says, do not allow yourself to be transformed by the pattern. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. The world has a way about it. The world has a way of thinking. The world has a way of living. The world has a way of speaking. He says, don't allow yourself to be conformed by the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will be able to approve or discern the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, good, and pleasing. For us to know God's will, speak God's will, we have to be careful what we allow to go into our mind. Though what, we, what goes into our mind is those seeds that are planted into our heart, and that becomes the stream of the flow, the words that come out of our life. And so I wrote down this, this uh, phrase that I think helps us when we look at that passage. What informs us will conform us. And isn't that true for today? Look at all the stuff that is, we're being saturated with. I mean, social media has so much power simply because of its saturation, not only because it's lies, but if, if one lie was going out there, you know, we could easily discern that. But one lie is, is like this orchard that's just reproducing a massive amount of fruit, and we're being inundated with these lies all the time. We're being saturated, like the soil of our lives are being saturated and oversaturated by media, by news, by books, by podcasts, by television shows. I mean, there is a saturation of ideology and thoughts and opinions and viewpoints and we've got to curate the content that goes into our hearts and our minds. I mean, one of the things that's interesting that I heard recently um, from somebody that lived in China, they were saying that uh, they don't listen to the news. They don't watch the news in China because they know that it's propaganda. I want you to think about that. I literally heard somebody say that th this week. They said, nobody that I know in China literally watches the news because we know it's propaganda. And I, I was actually thinking about like, what if... That actually is what's happening in America, and we all feel it, we understand it, we know it's happening through social media and media. There's obviously been this terminology out there called fake news, like we hear it all the time. And we're trying to determine what is real and what is fake. What are good words and what are bad words? What is this stuff we should be listening to and what is the stuff that we should avoid? But there's an addiction of this oversaturation of information. But what informs us will conform us. Jesus said the overflow of our heart. Imagine a cup. And if you fill the cup, you continue to fill it, at some point it's going to spill over. In other words, if we're not careful and we allow bad stuff to continue to come in and fill our cup, whether that's the information that's coming in through media or too much information from media, I'm not suggesting that we don't watch the news ever. I'm not suggesting that we don't ever pay attention to social media. What I'm suggesting is that we need to stand guard at the gates of our soul what goes into our eyes, what goes into our ears is what's really going into our heart. If we don't capture the influence that's coming into us, the influences of our life will affect the choices of our life, right? This is really important for us to understand these days. And really, if we want to capture that flow that's coming out of us and we want to speak life and be bringers of life, we've got to realize that like our cup may be so full of other things that there's not enough room 
to fill it up with words of life. There's, there's not, we're not giving God the room that we need to give to Him. We're not letting ourselves be filled with the right things. And so we often wonder, why are these other things coming out of us? Anger and bitterness and jealousy and frustration. I mean, all of these feelings we might have, but we've got to deal with them in the right way, and we've got to curate that content coming in. But what if this, this stuff around us, we know it's that propaganda, but we really haven't learned how to shut it off? We haven't learned how to stop paying more attention to all this stuff and really asking God for more of the things that we want to be the overflow of our life. If you knew that what was overflowing out of your cup, you know, you knew that, that you had control over that, then wouldn't you want to make sure that those things that were coming in were good so that the overflow was equally as good? Yes, of course, right? And so this means that we have, we have a power in the power of our words. We have power over the power of our words as we follow Christ. That's absolutely the truth. But we're not an exception, and we're not an exemption. We have a capacity, and if we allow ourselves to be over-informed by the lies of the culture, the ways of the world, the pattern of this world, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. If we don't get a hold of that, we're in trouble. We're in trouble, and we're not going to be the bringers of life. Our words are not going to be life-giving. They're not going to be the stream of living water. They'll be arrows is what will happen. And especially as Christ followers, listen, we can't have arrows flying out of our mouth. We want to have streams of living water flying, flying out of our mouth, flowing out of our mouth. Come on. I, I, I think I can edit that, but we're just going to leave that in because it's super cool. Conversations with Ben Dixon, live, one take. That's how we roll. I remember for us, for me one time, I, I recognized not only the, being a recipient of the power of words, but also a giver. I, I've raised, uh, I've, we, my wife and I have four kids, two are stepchildren, and so when I married my wife, she was 27, I was 24, and she had two boys. They were 9 and 11 years old, and so I adopted them right away. They became my boys, and their fathers were not in their li- lives at that time. And so I was the only dad that they knew. And so at 24 years old, I have a 9 and 11-year-old son, and I'm raising them as my own and committing my life to them, committing myself to them. But I don't know how to be a father, right? I don't know what I'm doing. But I remember like everything was good for a period of time, and then slowly but surely as the, our boys went to high school, you know, they ended up in the wrong crowd. And so I remember our oldest son, and he'll be on here actually, one of the podcasts with me, so you'll meet him if you don't know him. But our oldest son started hanging out with the wrong crowd. And I knew it because that's how, that's how I was living life when I was in high school as well. So I could, I could spot it. I mean, I could tell you honestly, I don't think they were really happy to have a 24-year-old dad because I wasn't that far away from high school, believe it or not. And so I was able to like spot stuff, you know, I was able to like pick it off, like, oh man. So they didn't get, it, get away with a lot. Plus I would be praying and God would speak to me. And he's probably got lots of stories that he can share with you if you're ever interested in that information. Isaiah Don is his name. Go ahead and look him up and say, hey, tell me stories. He probably will. It might be therapeutic for him. But I'm raising my boys. They get into high school. Our oldest son, he's, he's walking down the wrong road. It's very clear to us. He's changing, right? He's changing. And, and we always say, like, when you're in the wrong crowd, like, you end up acting like them. The Bible says that, um, that bad company corrupts good morals. Well, what does that mean? It means that influences can actually help shape the way that we are for evil. I mean, that's what we're talking about. It's, it's not just their presence, not just they stand next to you. It's their words. It's their thoughts. It's the ideology. It, it impacts us. It influences us. 
And we saw that happening to our oldest son. And so we were doing everything we could. We were praying, we were fasting, we were seeking God, we were intervening, we were lecturing him, everything we could possibly do to try to control the outcome of his life. And obviously we stopped doing that and just gave it to God in prayer. And um, the Lord gave me an idea. A friend of mine told me to read a book called Raising a Modern Day Knight. And I encourage you to read that if you're raising boys at all. But I read that book, and there was an idea in the book of, of writing to your son. And so I got, I got that idea, and I, want, I decided that on my son's 18th birthday that I was going to write him a book, and I called it The Man Book. And so I basically wrote a 20-page book to my son, and it took months and months to write, and I put it together. And then I asked about 20 other men that were men of God, and I asked his biological father to write at least one or two pages about what it means to be a man, specifically a man of God. Now, his biological father wasn't a Christian, and so he just wrote what it was to be a man. But I took 20 letters from 20 men, including the pages that I had written, and I bound it in this book. And on my son's 18th birthday, I presented this to him, and I I was just reading the Old Testament and how the fathers of old would lay their hands on their sons and their daughters. They would bless their kids. And when they blessed them, they believed there was impartation. It was sort of part of an inheritance, a legacy that they believed in. And so I believe that's very spiritual. And so I set apart that night and I actually asked my son's biological father to come with me. We went out to dinner and then we went to this, my office, and I presented him this book and I laid hands on him and I blessed him as my son. And, uh, and I spoke over him that he was a man. Just as my earthly father spoke to me, you're a man, you're not a boy, I laid hands on my stepson and I spoke over him these words, you are a man. And I commissioned him into manhood and I asked the father to bring now this conviction of being a man of God to his life. Within eight months, my son's whole life had turned around. And you could say, well, are you attributing that entire turnaround and giving his whole heart to God and surrendering to God? Are you attributing it to that night? Not fully, but I can tell you this. I remember sitting at that table when we did that, and there was something that shifted in my son right then and right there. And when I, I didn't know what I was going to pray, but when I laid my hands on my son and I commissioned him into manhood, and I asked the, our Heavenly Father for the conviction to come upon my son, not to convince him of guilt and sin. I mean, the Holy Spirit will do that. But it was more or less like ushering him into this responsibility before God of no longer being a boy and catering to the thoughts and the ideas and the influences of others, but rather being responsible for the, for the influence that God wants to bring into his life. I noticed conviction right away. I just It was like automatic, like there was new conviction in his life from day one. And I saw him turn around and shift, and now he's a pastor, and he's been on this long journey of giving his whole heart over to God. And within eight months, though, he was a completely different person. What I'm saying is, is the power of our words, it's life-giving as we capture that, as we reclaim that. And I've seen it firsthand as a recipient and as a giver. So the question is this, how do we embrace, or how do we, sorry, reclaim our words so that they're life-giving? How do, we, how do we learn how to steward our voice? I just want to share with you three things, very much a sermonette thing here, but these are the things that I wrote down that I think actually have helped me better steward my voice and understand the power of the words that I'm carrying, knowing that they come from the heart. And the first thing is this. If you're taking notes, take this. Um, embrace the responsibility 
that you have to use your words for good. And this is, this is the key. If we do not embrace the responsibility that we have, we'll allow ourselves to just be super careless. I don't know how many young men that I've discipled that have literally told me, I'm tired of being the joker. I'm tired of being the funny person. You know what they're saying? They want to be a person that literally brings impact into other people's lives. They want to matter. You and I want to matter in the life of someone else. We don't just want to hear you have potential. We don't want to hear like the future is bright. We want to know that what we're doing and what we're saying actually matters in the lives of people around us. Not just because we're the funny person. I mean, you never want to just hear that from other people, right? Like, you're so funny. Man, you're so funny. I just love listening to you. It's soothing. It's therapeutic. I mean, that's cool for a while. But like, as you grow up, you realize like, I'm tired of being that person that people don't look up to. They look at for like to make themselves feel a little bit better about life and, and laugh at you. That's what they're doing. And so... I've had a lot of young men say, I, I'm tired of being the funny person, the joker. And so my job, therefore, when they say that to me, is to just help them get on the path of recapturing their influence and becoming the man or the woman of God that he wants them to be. Not, not just this silly stuff, right? It's moving on. And we, and we realize that part of that is embracing that our words have power. And so today, think about this. Your words, my words, have power power. You've got to get that. We've got to get that. We've got to stop casting off our influence like it, it, it doesn't matter that much or, or how, what we say and how we say it. No, no, it does. Listen, how you steward your social media matters. If you just want to be the angry person that always comes off like they're ticked off, if you want to just be the person that's always putting their fist out, or do you want to be the person that explains? Here, here's what I've accepted, okay? Controversial things are controversial in our world. Doesn't mean they're controversial to God. It doesn't mean they actually should be controversial. But I've accepted this. I do not have to be angry in order to talk about difficult things in the world, and I don't have to make them difficult. So part of what I've accepted is I've embraced that my words matter. I've embraced that my influence is significant. And for some, not everybody, but for some people, and with that, I am not afraid to talk about anything. In fact, I need to be able to talk about everything. I may not know everything that I ought to know. I may not understand everything that I will in five years from now, but I am willing to have anything on the table. I am willing to have a conversation about anything at any time. I'm willing to answer any question, even if the, even if the answer is I don't know. But I'm unwilling to do that in a way that, that makes me look angry or upset or frustrated because that just shows an immaturity on my part. I think the way we steward our, our media influence, our social media influence, and the way we steward whatever sphere of influence we have, if I have a microphone in my hand all the time, and so I, I'm not even trying to be careful. I just want to be Christ-like. So I've embraced the fact that my voice matters way before I ever have a microphone in my hand. I mean, it, doesn't, it didn't take a microphone in my hand to recognize the fact that what I'm doing here matters. And so when I think about how to speak and what to say, I'm never worried about like, oh man, what are people going to think? I'm thinking about how can I impact someone? How can I say something that comes from the heart of God that literally will help shape someone else's heart and mind? I'm not thinking about how are people going to not like me. I'm not thinking about how I should be afraid of how someone perceives what I have to say. I'm more concerned with speaking the truth. Is this what the Bible says? Is this truly the heart of God? Am I saying it in a way that reflects Christ? 
So as I embrace the responsibility that I have to use my words for good, I'm also embracing the fact that that is what I want. I want to influence people for good, and my words are powerful. Therefore, I've got to go to the heart of the issue. I've got to put my heart in front of God. I've got to have my, I've got to have my, uh, my life immersed in His Word. I know this is kind of funny, but I was watching, uh, I was on the elliptical machine, and for whatever reason, I was watching some kind of Oprah interview. You know, it was, uh, she, Oprah was on this, uh, somebody was interviewing Oprah, and it just so happened to be on there. No, I don't watch that. But, you know, it, hey, listen, a little Dr. Phil while I'm on the elliptical machine just to see how crazy the world is. That's just what happens sometimes. Amen. It happens to you too. So anyways, I'm on the elliptical and I'm watching this interview with Oprah and they were asking her this question. This is, this is something that she said. She said, out of the, all the people on her show over 25 years that she was on television doing the Oprah Winfrey show, whether people were rich or poor, famous or unknown, she said they all wanted the same thing. Now, I'm not taking my doctrine from Oprah, so don't, don't go down that road. But she said, everybody wanted, be, wanted the same thing. Everybody wanted to be validated. Everybody wanted to be accepted. How do people feel validated and accepted? Now, I don't accept everybody's behavior. I don't validate everybody's behavior because I speak, I speak from Scripture, and so we teach the truth. But the reality is, is that people don't feel loved. The reality is people don't feel encouraged. The reality is, is people aren't hearing the voice of the Lord from people that are speaking from the heart of Christ. Even when sometimes it's truth and it's hard to hear and it convicts us, it still brings life, right? And so she was just saying, like, everybody wants to be validated, right? Now, here's the thing. I'm, I'm not going to validate behavior, but I can look at people and tell them that they're loved. Everybody is loved. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That means that He loves us in our sinful condition. He does not love our sinful condition. And so as we understand the love of the Father, we can speak into the lives and the hearts of people, and we can do that without compromising the truth. But the way we do it is really important. So we've got to embrace, this is what I'm saying, got to embrace the responsibility that you have for, for bringing forth God's goodness and God's truth and God's love into the lives of people using our words. If we never think about it, if we don't embrace it, if we don't walk around knowing that it's really a reality, then we're not going to own that place that we have in speaking into the hearts of people. The second thing I want to share with you today about recapturing or reclaiming our words uh, to be used as life-giving is fill your life with uh, what you want to flow from your life, right? So out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. So how do you fill your heart with the things that you want to come out of your mouth? Well, the Bible's clear about that one too. Psalm 119.11 has been a scripture that I've memorized from a long time ago, and it says, I've hidden your word, the psalmist writes, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've, I have put my, I, I have lived my life in such a way where your word saturates me. It fills me up. And and what does Jesus say in Luke chapter 6, verse 43 through 45? We've already read, out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth will speak. If you've, if you've allowed your heart to be filled with God's word, if, you, if you're the influence, the predominant influence in our lives is the word of God, is the truth of God, it will overflow our cup and it will come out of our mouth. 
when we're sitting with someone and they're telling us about their story and they're telling us about how they feel and they tell us about what they're going through, we may not say Job chapter 6 and verse 2. We may not say Luke chapter 6 and verse 45. We may not give the address of the scripture, but the scriptures will flow out of us and it will be like first nature because we're so filled with God's word that it will flow out in conversations without us having to stop and open the Bible because the Bible will be flowing out of us. See, we don't want to read the Bible just because um, we want to live a good devotional life. We want to read the Bible because the Bible gives life and the Bible brings life. I want life in, my, in, in myself from the Word, and I want to bring life. And the more I'm filled with God's Word, the more I'm going to bring life to others. Friends, this is important, right? If you're around our church, you know I preach this all the time. I talk about this all the time. You have to be a self-feeder. You have to get the Word of God into you. Not just because you're a good Christian if you read the Bible, but you need the Bible. You need God's truth. With all of these things that are being said today, with all the saturation of media and social media and lies and cultural changes and all of this stuff that's going on, the thing that doesn't change, the thing that continues to give life like it always has is God's holy, unchanging word. Amen. This is what we need. I'm going to try to convince you as much as I can. If you want to be my friend, if you want to listen to my podcast, if you want to hear my teaching, you are going to hear this. You have to feed on God's word yourself. You cannot outsource your spirituality to another person. Even in this podcast, I want people to listen to me, but at the same time, if you've got to turn this thing off in order to turn God's Word on because you only have a certain amount of time in your life, please do that. Please go to God's Word. Please fill your heart with His Word in your heart that you might not sin against Him. Spending time in prayer, spending time in worship, spending time in His Word, it, it sensitizes our hearts. And when our hearts are full, Man, our hearts are full to flow, and that flow brings life to people, and I've got a history of that, you know, and that's the thing. That's what we're after. And the, and the final thing I, I want to tell you is, is really important, and that's we need to repent for the misuse of words in our life. We need to repent for the heart that underlies those words that we may not steward properly. If, if, you, if, if you're just coming off angry and bitter and resentful and you're reacting and, and all of that's coming out of you, friends, listen to me. That's not healthy. And, and that's not how you want to steward your voice. It's not how you want to steward your heart. When you steward your heart properly before God, your words will flow out of that. And so we've got to just recognize if stuff's coming out of our mouth to our spouse, to our children, um, in our small groups, in our church, in our job, on our social media, if that stuff that's flowing out of us is mixture, it's dirty water, gosh, we got to own that and we've got to repent. And I don't just mean say, God, I'm sorry. We've got to say, God, I've got a heart problem and I need, you to, I need a transfusion. I need you to fill my heart with uh, that which is clean and that which is true and that which is from you. And when we come to God and we repent, we're turning from that anger and that bitterness and that resentment and that jealousy and that reactionary way of talking and living. God will clean our heart. He really will. He'll scrub our heart clean and then we'll fill our heart with the word of God. We'll fill our heart with godly influences and what comes out of us will be life-giving. If you really want to be influential in the lives of other people, you've got to make sure that what comes out of you is worthy of, be, of influencing other people. And you've got to think of it like this. I'm a father of four. And so um, whenever I think of like somebody speaking into the life of my kid, 
I think like, man, I want that voice to be something that is shaping for the good. When I think, if you're a parent, you understand what this is. Like you're, you're nervous. Sometimes you're nervous of like, who's going to speak into the heart of your child. And so you, you kind of want to curate the content that comes from other people. You want to make sure that Tommy and Sally and Joe and Bob and, 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 uh, and Jared and whoever, you know, you want to make sure that the people that your kids are around are good influences. What, what are we really talking about? We're talking about what they're going to say. We're talking about the words that they're going to say to our kids. Here's the reality. What kind of influence are we? What are we saying to other people's kids or parents or brothers or sisters? See, in order for us to really capture the words in our life, we've got to capture our, the fact, we got, we've got to know who we want to be. Who do you want to be? Do you want to be a person that influences people with what God brings? Do you want to be a person that brings life? Do you want to be a person that just perpetuates the cultural stuff, the angst, the anger, the frustration. What kind of a voice do you want to be? What kind of a voice does the scriptures call us to be? First, we've got to we've got to ground that. We've 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 got to understand that. We've got to know who we want to be. We've got to stop being jokesters. We've got to stop being the funny people. Doesn't mean we shouldn't joke. I like to joke. I like jokes. I think it's fun. Not crude jokes, not crass jokes, but good jokes. I, I think all that's fun. But we've got to decide who we want to be. And then we've got to embrace the responsibility that we have with our words, with our heart. We've got to put ourselves before God and repent of the other things. Anything that's not who God wants us to be, anything that's not stewarding that influence, that life-giving influence with our words to other people, we've just got to repent from that. Turn from that today and say, God, I want to be the type of person that people call I want to be the type of person that people trust. I want to be the type of person that when I speak, people listen, not because I want to matter more than anybody else. It's not a comparison game. It's just, I want to live my life in a way that matters. I want to speak things that matter. And so we have a responsibility to reclaim the power of our words. And I think we can start by doing that today. So here's how I want to close this. Episode one, come on, the power of our words, conversations with Pastor Ben. I want to close by praying, and I want to invite you into this prayer, a prayer of repentance, number one, and then number two, a prayer of God's guidance in our life, into His Word, into places of prayer, so that what comes out of us, maybe it's simple, maybe it's like my dad said to me, you're a man and you're not just a boy. Those types of things can shatter the insecurity and bring confidence from God, and that's who we want to be. So join me in prayer right now as we just take this to God like we always will. Father, we thank you today that you've called us into a place of serving you, and it does matter. And we want to be more like Jesus Christ. We, we want to steward our influence. We want to steward our words, our voice, in a way that brings you glory, in a way that reflects you and and really what you've done in our lives, we want to perpetuate that in the lives of other people. And so I just pray, I come to you today, and we just repent for misusing our words. We repent for allowing mixture in our hearts. We repent, God. We turn from that. We don't just say we're sorry, but Lord, we choose to turn from that way of being, that way of thinking, and that way of speaking. And I pray, God, that you would guide us into your truth, that you would guide us into being the type of influence that's that's like worthy of speaking into the lives of our own kids, that, that shaping voice. We want to become that shaping voice. So guide us in a way where you would trust us to speak in the lives of your kids and other people that we would meet. And I thank you, Lord, that you do want to use us. And we know that. 
We know that as we pray, that you want to set us into places that we would have influence to help shape the hearts of people. And so, Lord, make our voice trustworthy, dependable, and reliable. We thank you today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hey, God bless you. Thank you for tuning in today. And I look forward to seeing you next week with a new episode and a special guest as we come back to Conversations with Ben Dixon.